Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this talk brought to you by the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth and Poole Christian Spiritualist Church. My name is Bob. I'm from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth, and I'm standing in for our leader, Fabricio, who's away on holiday. We are very honoured this evening to have with us as our guest speaker, Louise Lima from Florida in the United States. Luis is a very well-known spiritist speaker. He holds a degree in electronic engineering and works in the computer networking industry. It's a great pleasure to have you with us tonight, Luis. Thank you very Thank much you. for joining us. Thank you. The subject of his talk tonight is afflictions. This is one of our <laughs> fortnightly talks in the series of psychological talks from the books of, by the spirit of Joanna Angelus, which were psychographed by the famous spiritist medium Divaldo Franco. There will be an opportunity for you to ask questions and for Luis to answer them at the end of the presentation. So if any question comes to mind, please feel free to uh, send them in online and we will do our best to make sure that we cover them before the program finishes. Before Lewis's uh, presentation, let me hand over to our dear friend Lawrence Savile at Poole Christian Spiritualist Church for our opening prayer. Thank you, Bob, and a very good evening, everybody. If you'd just like to take this time, please, to set aside all our earthly physical concerns and cares, to step out of this material world to share this time of enlightenment, learning, knowledge, understanding and progression. And we give thanks to, whilst in this moment, whilst in this space, we offer up our thoughts to our gods and we give thanks for everything that we have in our lives, for it is so easy to want more but more often than not, everything we need is there and ready for us. And we send out our thoughts and prayers to, to those around the world, those who at this time are bewildered and lost, those who at this time are afflicted of conditions of the mind, the body and spirit. And we know through these healing balms being sent forth, that healing is given and received in accord with the needs. And in that true knowledge, we are truly grateful. So we hand over this time now, this union between different continents to come together and to spread and share that word of love, upliftment, and the belief and the knowledge that life between life and lives that we live here are never broken, but a continuous thread of existence. Amen. Thank you very much, Laurie. It's now my pleasure to hand over to Louis Lima for his talk entitled Afflictions. Over to you, Louis. Okay, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Laurie. It's a, it's a great pleasure, great honor to be here. 
uh, with all the audience. Uh, if you're following us on the internet, uh, welcome for, thanks for joining us for this uh, uh, talk. And again, we're all learning, so we'll learn together, okay? We wanted to bring this subject of uh, afflictions, which is a natural part of our lives. Uh, and unfortunately for most of us, afflictions tie into suffering. It shouldn't have to be this way, but you know, we, we all uh, uh, have it in a certain time of our lives. Things get better, things get worse. It's, it, it's just part of life. So we wanted to bring some, the, the subject, so we can put some reflection on this topic. And one interesting a phrase from uh, Joanna de Angelis is right here. This is very, very interesting. At the root of any disorder, affliction, illness, or suffering is the eternal spirit, who is also the author and responsible for the events that concern it. So the spirit is all, it's all about the spirit, right? In this way, the spirit has resources for rebalancing recovery and peace. So that, that's an interesting uh, uh, way of saying we create the trouble and we are the ones who can uh, uh, save ourselves. There is no external savior or nothing like this. It's a very interesting thing. And it, it, and it puts the responsibility, it puts the, the whole process of afflictions and or suffering on the spirit. So we wanted to investigate this a little bit more uh, the spiritist literature is very, it's vast in terms of uh, suffering, affliction, uh, illness, all of those. Um, in line with the uh, codification by Ellen Kardec, she brings very interesting thoughts that we're going to develop here uh, within this hour. So let's, uh, let's imagine that we would draw a timeline, okay? And this is the moment that we are right now. When we establish, on a, on a, even on a virtual timeline, when we establish a now moment, automatically we're saying everything behind is past, everything that comes is future, obviously. So if I have an affliction now, or if I'm suffering now at this very moment, okay, it necessarily means that something happened, something in the past. We do not go through the process of, uh, you know, feeling all these afflictions and sufferings. We do not go through this because of the future. It, it comes from the past. How far in the past? Well, it could be something that happened last week and I'm still troubled by it for some reason, you know, it, I'm still thinking about the situation. It could be something 10 years ago. It could be something when we were kids, for example, on our younger days, but it could also be on a past life. As you see, the immortal spirit, the spirit is not going to die. So you will carry all these things, all these uh, moments of suffering, affliction, you will carry them. At one point, of course, we're going to, they're going to wear off. We don't need to think about them anymore. We don't need to suffer anymore. We, we will not feel those afflictions anymore. But that's way in the future. If we are afflicted now, something in the past happened to the self, right? To the spirit. Because it, it, if it was only related to the physical body, 
it wouldn't have any sense talking about previous lives. So this comes along from lifetime to lifetime throughout the set of incarnations that we are all uh, undergoing. So afflictions are always necessarily echoes of our past actions. Something that we did, we didn't do it right, or we could just simply have them in a different way or better. It is something that comes from the past. It's echoing some action that we took in the past. And we are carrying that still today on this now moment. Okay, so that's how we, 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 we bring these things. Now, this is very interesting because, like we saw in the first uh, slide, Joanna saying that this comes from the self, the spirit. And there are several layers of this. So affliction, sufferings, uh, even illness, this, there are several layers. So we're going to consider six scenarios here, six different scenarios. First of all is when somebody is going through that, but it, it's, it, they contain within themselves. So somebody's going through this and they contain. And Joanna is going to say that with time, with time meaning life after life after life, okay? That's what she means by time. It's not time physical, one lifetime. It's a set of reincarnations. So with time, it could lead to severe disorders. And ultimately to suicide. So severe disorder she describes as, for example, OCD, depression, schizophrenia, anything in that sense. This is because whatever affliction, whatever triggered the process, the process is contained within the self. It's not going anywhere and it's hard to deal with it. And at a certain point, we don't know how to deal with that. And that could lead to suicidal thoughts, unfortunately. Now, there's another layer, which is, you know, for some reason I'm going through this affliction and I decide to expand this outside my own personal realm. So it will affect those around me. You could be a colleague, a worker, a colleague, a family member, neighbor, whoever, okay? It will affect others to the point that some, sometimes others can sustain that and they will leave, they will leave us alone. And that's a, it happens in broken relationships and stuff like that. But it always started within the self. It just propagated affecting others. There's a third layer, which is now, you see, the first layer is me and myself. The second layer is me and those relatively few people around me. The third layer is me and a larger group of people. And these people... I don't even know them. I not necessarily have to know them. They're not neighbors that I talk to every day. They are not relatives, family members, co worker colleagues. No, they are simply people that I don't know. And that leads to using modern words. Uh, actually, Joanna talks about that too. Terrorism, massacres. It's one person that is going through whatever process, some sort of affliction, and it's pounding that towards everybody else. Doesn't matter who, I don't need to know them. Now, there's another layer in which, as I go along with this process, I collect subscribers to my problem. So other people subscribe to this because they feel the same way or just 
you know, they, they align with that behavior or that situation. And then instead of one, now we are a smaller group. So it's not only me now, it's me and maybe five or six people, me and 10 people. And as a group, now we're going to target an individual. And that individual, not necessarily I need to know them, but it's just how the problem expands. So that leads us into bullying in schools and stuff like that. And then it grows. So now instead of a group towards one person, it's a group towards another group. So that leads to the gorillas and gangs and all of those things. And it gets really large when the groups, both of them are very large. So now it's not a group we can call a society. So it's a society towards another society that, you know, takes that into war. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. And it all starts, as you see there on the top left, the little guy with a dark cloud over their head. That starts as a personal thing, but it leads to, you know, consequences. So what happens is, as we go along feeling this way, with time, time mean again, incarnation after incarnation, life after life, with time, we get into, you know, different things like uh, dissatisfaction, we rebel, rebelling, anything like this. I don't have my questions answered. You see, this is trials and expiations here. So because of all of this, there's going to be a point where the self makes a decision. The spirit makes almost like a, a decision-making process. One way is I can take the problem in my hands with responsibility. What does he mean? I said, okay, here I am. I got this situation. I'm going to take care of this. Bring all the problems over here, put in front of me, and I'm going to take care of it. That's responsibility. That will lead to me understanding my past choices, analyzing these choices, and making changes. That would be my moral refinement based on past choices. That's responsibility. I'm doing this because I just can't stand myself anymore. I need to get better. I need to go on a different path. That's the path of responsibility. Now, there's another path, which is not so good, which is the path of victimization. Victimization is going to take the person to blame everybody else. So I'm not responsible for being in this situation. You guys are. You did something that led me to this situation. Otherwise, I would be here, you know, nice and easy. Everything would be okay. But it's not because you guys did something and you put me in that situation. And I'm going to wait for you to undo what you did so I can get better. Well, hold on. Undoing what you guys did, you guys didn't do anything, right? So I'm gonna be waiting and waiting. There's gonna be a point that I wait so long for such a long time that I start to uh, revolt kicks in, revolt kicks in. And that's a disaster. That's the beginning of the disaster because we keep feeding that and feeding that and feeding that. And again, this is life over life over life over life to a point where I call moral implosion. When you can't stand it anymore, you just dismantle. That's a moral implosion. And 
the process of victimization with all its uh, uh, consequences there, the blame and the moral implosion. And so for me to get out of this, I need a savior. I, I'm not considering saving myself. I need an external element that's going to save me, pull me from, you know, uh, the hole that I fell in. And I'm going to be waiting and waiting and waiting because it's not going to happen. Such a thing is not going to happen. I have to understand. That's why knowledge is so important. I have to understand what the situation is. And I have to change my gears from victimization to responsibility. Waiting for a savior is not going to help anything. It actually is just going to make it worse. So in terms of suffering, when we go through all of this, all these things that come from the past, Two things are interesting to uh, consider. First of all, imagine, for example, that I hit my wrist here somewhere on, on a table, let's say. I wrist my, uh, uh, I hit my wrist on the table. Then it hurts, okay? Then I go to the doctor and say, uh, I'm hurting. And the doctor is going to ask me where. I can pinpoint the exact location where it is, exact location. So he's going to give me something whatever, medicine or, or some cream, and I'm going to go home and that's it, that's done. Now, think about this. Sometimes we go to a doctor and we tell him, We're, I'm feeling a pain. And the doctor is going to say, he needs to know where the pain is. So he's going to tell you, where is that pain? And our answer could be something like this. It's in this area here. And he replies by saying, but where exactly and we can't pinpoint. We cannot pinpoint. We're just going to say, all I can tell you, it's in this area here. And there are times where I cannot pinpoint, but even the area I cannot define. The doctor is going to ask me, what are you feeling? I don't feel good. Where? Well, what are you feeling? Headache? You're feeling? What are you feeling? I don't know. I'm just not feeling well. So you, you, you're very far away from being able to pinpoint a location in the physical body. And why is that? That's because these are not physical symptoms. This is in a perispirit. If it's in a perispirit, it's a completely different ballgame. You know, creams are not going to help. Medicine is not going to help. It's, it's a whole different story. And that's where these afflictions lead to usually suffering because it's hard to understand. We cannot pinpoint. We cannot just take a medicine and, and you know go away and leave it behind. It doesn't happen. So suffering and afflictions, they are not recognized by time in time and space. They are in the perispirit. Okay, let's start getting into the causes of all these things. We know it's the spirit, but how and come? How come? How so? Right? Let's think about this. When Jesus came, he came to show us, he came to show us how to do things and what to do, what is right, what is wrong. So he came to work with us on moral values. But he wasn't the first one. He came after Moses, who was the first to bring a set, a list of moral values and how to behave, the Ten Commandments. So, for example, let's take one, we can use it as, as an example here. You cannot kill. You can't kill. So that's a moral value, okay? Preserve life. So Jesus comes in and is going to sustain that. 
But if you go back in time, when Moses brought the Ten Commandments, just imagine if 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 you can, if we can, right? Four thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, you are talking to somebody. The things gets heated. The easiest thing to do is to run the sword through the other party's body and go away. Kill them and go away. I will do this to the next person. Somebody's going to do it to me. And that's how life goes before the Ten Commandments. When, when Moses comes down and brings the Ten Commandments, how is he going to explain that you cannot kill no more? They're going to argue. They say, well, I've been killing people. How come I can't do that anymore? So it's, it's hard to understand for those reasons. It's, it's a whole new paradigm on, 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 on people that don't have the cultural level and understanding that we do today. So it's very challenging for them. So Moses had to append to the Ten Commandments a set of 613 laws. These are not moral values. These are disciplinary laws or social laws, using a more modern word. These 623, okay, Ten Commandments plus 613 social laws were considered by the Jews as divine laws, but they were not. Divine laws were just the Ten. When Jesus came, he was accused of trying to change the law. He was not trying to change any of the Ten. He was trying to adjust the 613 because social laws have to change with time and space they have to that's how a society evolves so he was addressing the social laws anyhow the social laws even from the time of moses they were created to sustain the moral values it's still that way today should be right okay so let's go back to our example moral value you can't kill don't kill social law don't kill but if you kill you go into jail for example and that will lead me into a certain attitude. In the past, I was just going to run the sword through somebody's body. Not anymore, because if I do this, I'm going to jail. So, whoa, I better watch out and I'm going to behave differently than before. So that's a very basic mechanism. And it was working to a certain level. But instead of going down the line, meaning in line with the laws of God, we started to do it differently. Our attitudes changed. Let's say, for example, don't kill. If you kill, you're going to go to jail. So I'm going to behave. I'm not going to kill. But let's say that I'm, I'm a very influential person, very well-known, respected, and so and so and so, and I did kill somebody. So what happens now is I should be, I should be subject to the social law, but because I'm very influential and so and so I have the power and so I'm going to propose an adjustment to the social law. So the adjusted social law now is going to be you can't kill. If you kill, you're going to go to jail. But if it's your first crime, you're forgiven. Very complicated, right? So now the law came from the attitude no longer the other way around and you know we've been doing this for so many centuries that our adjusted social laws generated adjusted or, or i call pseudo 
pseudo moral values. So the moral values that we look into today as a reference in our societies are not the folks moral values that we should be looking into. So th there was a change in, in perception here, a huge change in perception. So today, instead of coming down the green line that you see there in line with the laws of God, we go up the red line against the laws of God. And that's because of the ego primarily. The ego dominates the self and that predominance of the ego over the self creates a whole parallel set of moral values which are not really moral values. That creates suffering necessarily because we're going against the laws of God and there are consequences. Consequences are suffering, affliction, a lot of it, until I understand what's happening and come back to the left side of the screen in line with the laws of God. So you see, it's a complex mechanism. It, it, the movement here is very complex, but that has been happening throughout the years in humanity from, you know, the early days of humanity until today. It seems to get, uh, uh, we hear a lot of this, it seems to be getting worse. That's not the point today, but, you know, we have people in our society, hopefully ourselves, spiritists, that perceive the actual moral values, but we live in a society that doesn't value those as we do, it becomes very challenging. So even if we do the right thing all the time, it's still an affliction because I'm living in a, in a society, in a world that doesn't see what I see, what, what we see. Very complex, right? This reflection. So that leads us to also to afflictions. So let's talk a little bit about undergoing afflictions. So we're going to talk about five little things here. First of all, everything is based on action and reaction. What we do comes back one way or another. Whatever I do, I'm going to have to offset. It's not necessarily an eye for an eye anymore. Yeah? Uh, uh, for example, I can... Let's say I just killed a lot of people in the past. And today, in this life, I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get, that when I killed people, I'm going to get killed too. No, I can offset by saving lives now. So instead of killing people in the past like I used to several incarnations ago, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to take care of young children in, in daycares. You see, we're saving, we're pro-life, we're saving lives lives. Another thing, we are extremely attached to material goods and that has to do with the level of evolution, moral involvement and evolution that we are. We are still very attached to the material goods and obviously that leads to suffering and affliction because they don't bring, you know, fulfillment in terms of the self, it doesn't bring fulfillment. They are tools, but they don't bring fulfillment. Number three, the old, old, old problem between the, the difference between human justice and divine justice. This is a whole separate topic. We would be speaking for hours here, but just a, 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 
you know, a, a, a quick reference. We know that human justice and divine justice use different parameters, different references for to produce an outcome. We want our justice created by us men, men and women, to reflect divine justice. It doesn't. So human justice is for uh, a, a, a group, a society. It's not universal like divine justice is. And that creates a conflict. Conflict means for us incarnate afflictions. For the self, it's affliction. Here's another thing. Desire to control someone else's life. Every time we try to do this, if we try to do this, we're going to have a conflict because I'm forcing something to happen and not necessarily, and very likely it will not happen. And that's going to bring affliction. That's one of the most uh, 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 serious things about creating affliction for ourselves because we create for ourselves. That's one of the most significant ones. And something that we want to develop here, an idea, which, uh, which I called here, I listed as repeating the same mistakes. Of course, if you keep repeating the same mistakes, you're going to be suffering all the time. What kind of mistakes are we talking about here? So let's go back and look at the history of humanity. So we're going to pick four events in the history of humanity, and we're going to talk about them. So here's number one. We know the story. So quickly, um, Pilate knows that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was not supposed to be put on a cross. He was not a criminal, nothing like this. Contrary to Barabbas, which was a known criminal and so on. So Pilate tries, he demonstrates that through the Gospels. We can see that. He demonstrates, uh, he tries as much as he can to bring Jesus to a, a different situation where he can say, you're not guilty at all, you know, just end the whole thing. But the population is there. He's under pressure. He's feeling the heat. So he has this brilliant, brilliant quotes, right? This brilliant idea of bringing Barabbas. And the people are going to make a choice. And by his standards, he would expect that the population would say, well, Jesus walks free and Barabbas go to the criminal, goes to the cross. That didn't happen. So... Who chose that? It wasn't really the person, Pilate. It was a situation. The, the population made that choice. How come? How come we made that choice? That's to, to say the least is questionable. How come we chose that? We were there. Not necessarily physically in the crowd, but we were there in spirit as incarnates or discarnates. So something like this happens because of the psychic atmosphere of the planet at the time. What does it mean for you and me now today? You see, this is an event in the history of humanity, but it's also an event in our personal spiritual history. Every time, every time, no exception, that we make a, a wrong choice knowing what the right one is. I'm going to say that again. Every time we make a wrong choice knowing what the right one is, 
we are signing off our actions as pilot. How many times in a year we do this? How many times in a month, in a week we do this? We do this left and right. Not necessarily us spiritists. We are talking about society in general, humanity in general. We do this all the time. Is it going to generate affliction and suffering? Oh, yeah. You can bet on that. So that's one event in humanity which has a direct corresponding action into our personal history as a spirit, as a as the immortal spirit. Let's take another one. The crusade. Well, one minute about the crusade, right? How did the thing start? The Christians accuse the Islamic population in Jerusalem to have destroyed the cross where Jesus was supposedly crucified. So the Pope, the Pope, right? Oh, uh, parenthesis, right? What is a Pope? A Pope is that person entitled to carry out the good message of Jesus, to teach Christianity, to teach his, uh, to, to pass along his teachings and so on and so forth. So the Pope, Urban II, gets, is able to get, get gather 60,000 Christians and send them all over to Jerusalem to kill the Islamic population. A Pope. Okay, what does it mean for you and me today, 2021? It means that every time that I do something and I, and I, 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 I consider different things and I, you know, uh, uh, manipulate things to get to my objectives by hurting others, every time I do this, I'm signing off my actions as Urban II, the Pope. Pope, right? Okay, so let's do another one here. 500 plus years of Inquisition. What is the Inquisition? It's a movement in which uh, the church, the, the leaders of the church, would find people who are not following what they wanted them to follow. I'm not saying if they were doing, if they were teaching the right thing. It doesn't matter. If you didn't do what they wanted, you would go to, uh, you would be put, put fire, set fire on you, 500 plus years. So every time I condemn, every time I do this towards somebody, I'm signing off as the great inquisitor. The great inquisitor is that person who has the following motto, it's my way or no way. And no way means I'm going to make you a nothing out of it. You see, this is history, but it's not only history in terms of a historical, uh, a historical event. It still happens within us. It's still part of our psychosphere, part of our psychic atmosphere we're still going through this today we're still struggling with that today and here's the last one we don't really want to talk about this because it's so ugly and awful but it's all the same thing just think about the concept of the first three this is the same thing 
you know, he was imposing a situation, he was imposing a war with nasty consequences without thinking about it. Every time we speak bad about somebody, slander, anything in that sense, we don't know what the consequences are going to be. We don't have control. Once it's out of our mouth, we don't control that anymore. So how many times we do this in a year, in a month, in a week? So you see, these, oh, I picked four events here. These four events, they took place because of us, because of who we are. Hopefully we are better now, especially us spiritists. But that's what Joanna is saying. It comes from the spirit. It, it, it's not accident. None of this is accident. It was all because of affliction and uh, 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 the situation that we created for ourselves in the past. And we still do those. We still do that. So how do we get out of this? We were talking about undergoing afflictions. Now, how about overcoming, which is much better, by the way, right? We look into the codification, right? Alain Kardec, there's a question, question 1004. What determines the duration of the suffering of the guilty? Because, you see, if I'm suffering, if I'm going through afflictions, I want to know how much longer. Because if you tell me 10 minutes, oh, yeah, I'll hold tight. If you tell me two days, I'll go, yeah, okay, two days. If you tell me 15 years, that's a different story, right? So I want to know how, how long it's going to take. So Alain Kardec asks the uh, superior spirits, and the, the answer comes. It depends on the time that it takes to improve itself. It doesn't say it, it's you're going to get a divine decree ending your suffering, your affliction. Nothing like this. It depends on us. We have to improve ourselves. That's when it stops. So you see, going back to what Joanna said in the beginning, responsibility. We are the ones who have the tools to turn things around. There is no savior that's going to come down from, you know, the heavens. It's not this. We need to do this ourselves. We need to understand that it's important. And then another question following that one is, how can we, right, humans, overcome their evil, our evil tendencies? with our own efforts because now we already know it's on us so you see the question is not how can humans overcome their tendency their evil tendencies waiting for somebody else to do it no the question is doing ourselves now this answer is fantastic sometimes we can do it and sometimes with very little effort what they lack what we lack is willpower. Then I looked at this years ago, right? And I said, hmm, how come this is a very little effort? And I said, maybe I didn't get a right translation. It could be, of course, it could be a, a, a bad translation or not very, you know, close to the original. So I said, well, let me look into a different translation. So I took a second book, a second translation by Anna Blackwell, and she said she writes very, very slight efforts. It didn't change much. The words are different, but it didn't change much. And I said, no, nah, it, it can't be. Let me look for another translation and see what they say. And here's another translation, very small efforts. 
Well, then I said, well, hold on. Why not? Why not be smart and go straight to the French instead of dealing with translations? Because this can be. That's me, right? So let's go to the French. Here's the French. The fable is a fort. The word fable that you see here means weak. Something's not tight, slight, poor, anything in that sense. So hold on, it got worse now. It got worse because the three, trans the three translations are not wrong. You know who is wrong? The reader. I was wrong. I was reading it and I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. That's exactly what it is. Very small effort. And if you look at it, if you remember the next phrase is what lacks is willpower. So we need to find that willpower within the self to bring us to the next level and get away from suffering, from afflictions, from conflict, internal personal conflict, and move on. We need to find willpower. Let's talk a little bit more about this overcoming afflictions. We know that, we spoke about Moses already today. We know that he brought the first revelation and he had to impose, we spoke about this, right? He had to impose that by adding 613 laws. So the first revelation comes as an imposition. Jesus comes to reinforce the 10 original commandments. But he doesn't come as an imposter, or not imposter, a dictator. I'm going to use a very modern word. M Moses would fall into the dictator category because he was absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary. And Jesus comes after him with a different tone. He never, he never imposed anything on anyone. He never forbade, uh, forbid anyone to do from doing anything. He comes as this great, friendly counselor. So if you look at the stories like uh, the adulterous woman, he will say to her, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't do this again. He, he, he's not threatening. He's not forbidden, nothing. He's just saying, if I were you, I would do this thing differently next time. I wouldn't do what you did. Counselor, this great, open arms, friendly counselor. And then comes the third revelation with Allan Kardec, which has, which brings, uh, uh, Spiritism brings a different tone, which is explanation. You see, when you say don't kill, as Moses did, I revolt 4,000 years ago. When Jesus tells me, I'm going to tell you something. If I were you, I wouldn't kill. It's a different tone. It makes us think. But not necessarily, I, I know why. Now, with spiritism, I know exactly why. Every, every time we know why we have to do certain things, it's easier to accomplish that. Doing things because we're being ordered to, not necessarily you comprehend. You're just doing it because you were told to do so. When we have the explanation from all these things, that's a whole different story because now Spirit James brings basically this, stop inflicting the self. That's it. Stop. 
And now I know why. And it makes a lot of sense. And because it makes a lot of sense, I'm more likely to follow the recommendations. So Spiritism, with the original you know, works of Allan Kardec and everything that comes after it, and a huge uh, 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 a number of books and instructions. You know, Joanna Jangelis herself has a long set of books explaining everything in detail. But it empowers us to do the things he said, Jesus said, because now I understand exactly why. I understand the mechanism, the ins and outs. One of these things is, it, it's in the uh, gospel, suffer well. Now, what is suffer well? Hold on, well, what is that? Suffer well means suffering. If it's inevitable, if I have to, I'm going to make good use of this. I'm going to suffer now, learn from it, and I'll never suffer again. At least not concerned to that particular situation. Suffer well. If we just say that out of context, you might, some people are going to say, you're crazy. No, we're not crazy. There's a, a tremendous sense of friendliness, right? Charity in La Cordaire, Spirit La Cordaire telling us this. Another one here. Afflictions are nothing more than mechanisms of moral progress. If I'm going afflictions, it's because I did something wrong, morally wrong, and I have to do it right from now on. Otherwise, I'm going to go through the same thing. So it's an indication that something needs to change. So afflictions are mechanisms of moral progress. And then I want to bring you the following idea. It's the idea of a dualism, dualities. We have choices, and we always have both choices. To the left and to the right, always, on anything, right and wrong, night and day, everything is like this. So here's the general idea. Let's say that I have been in, the, in, in my last past lives, with several of them, I have been a criminal. Let's just say a criminal. I've been stealing and doing wrong things and so on. When I last discarnated before coming to this life, I got tired. I don't want to live a life like that again. I got tired. It's, you see, I, I don't want the ego to dominate the self anymore, like Joanna says. So I, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go into my next lifetime, and I'm not going to steal anything. No crime. I'm not going to steal anything from anybody. Then I come in, right? And everything is going well. I'm a baby. I'm an infant. My youth. And then let's just say that at a certain point, I'm in a party, okay, full of people, and I get into a room to this party, and somebody puts, let's just say, one million bills of one dollar. Can you imagine the pile, right? One million bills of one dollar, and everybody leaves. You see, if I take, let's say, 5,000 of those bills, nobody's going to notice the difference because the pile is still the same height. So I look at that and we start like this. You see, I'm doing my life right. I came here to this life not to steal, not to do any crime. And I get, I, I have to face that now. 
And then we, we go through like this. Oh, my God. Look at this money. I could have this money. If I take 5,000 of these bills, it's a lot of money for me. Nobody's going to notice. I could just take this home. You see the conflict? You see the affliction inside? The turmoil inside? Why is that happening? Because being dishonest is still an option. If I had already transcended the duality, dishonesty and honesty, I would look at the pile of money and I would say, oh my God, look at this money. Somebody forgot it over here. We need to find the owner of this money and return to the owner. It wouldn't cross my mind and it, not even a single $1 bill to pick it for myself. You see, so if I'm in conflict, it's because I have not yet transcended that duality. Here's another one. Uh, sobriety and alcoholism, same thing. So let's say I've been drinking all my last 25 lives or something. And when I come to this one, I'm, I say, that's it. No drinking or alcohol. So I go to a party, right? And then somebody puts the most desired bottle of whiskey in front of me and everybody leaves the room and i'm by myself there are, there are no surveillance cameras and i'm gonna look at that i'm gonna say oh my god this is the most wanted is a whiskey ever oh my god i could just just a little bit i could just drop my finger and do like this right look at the conflict conflict the affliction the suffering that i'm creating for myself and why is that because I have not yet transcended the duality, sobriety, alcoholism. Because when I, if I had transcended that duality, I would look at the bottle and say, oh my God, this bottle of whiskey is the most wanted bottle of whiskey in the planet. I have some friends here in this party that if they see this, it's going to be a disaster. I'm just going to put it away. Then I transcended, I would have transcended that duality. So everything, everything in our trials and expiations planet is based on dual dualities. We always have the other choice, right? Remember, pilot, he knows what the right is and he chooses the wrong. So in once on one side, we have all our vices. On the other side, we have all of our virtues. And the choice does not come from outside. The choice is from the self. We choose that. And we're going to have to deal with the consequences. So here's an idea to get away from these dualities. Okay, so there are several others, right? I gave you two as an example, but there's patient, impatience, tolerance, intolerance, any, the list goes, just goes. So for me to give an example of what I think it should be a good idea, we're going to use something that is physical because we have more, it's just easier for us when we talk something about physical that we can more directly relate to. So let's think about the sun. It's physical in the sense that we can see it. We, we cannot put our hands on it, of course, but, you know, it's physical because it's out there. We see it every day. It's, it's a close friend, if you will, okay? All right, think about the sun. So I'm going to ask you a question. Think about it for, I'll, I'll give you five seconds to, or 10 seconds to think about it. First question, two questions. First question, what time is night and the sun? 
what time is night in the sun? Right? Okay, I'm going to give you my answer. It's never night in the sun. Hopefully you agree. It's never night in the sun. That leads to question number two. Why is it never dark in the sun? Why is it never dark in the sun? My answer, because the sun is the source of all light, not some light. The sun is the source of all light. So the next question is, when am I going to be in peace? My answer, when I am the source of all peace. When am I going to be patient? My answer, when I am the source of all patience. When am I going to be tolerant? My answer, when I am the source of all tolerance. And it goes on and on and on. You see, the sun, the sun, the idea of the sun is to, to bring the concept that we have to be the source of all our virtues. We have to do that. It's only walking or moving towards that direction that we are going to have less sufferings and afflictions with time to a point where we don't have any more of those. It's the, it's the path to perfection. So think about the sun. Think about the sun when you, maybe late at night. That's a good thing to take to the pillow every night. Be the source of everything you want to see. So let, let me give you just a few thoughts here so we can wrap up. Number one, suffering is a thing of the past. If it's in the past, I not necessarily need to live it now. I can let go. Because I'm suffering or I'm under affliction due to something that already happened. I don't have to live in the past anymore. Number two, if I, if I have to undergo afflictions, and we do, it's part of life, as we said in the beginning. Let's do it with no rebellion, no discouragement. Responsibility instead of uh, victimization. Number three, we are the source of all of our vices and virtues. We just spoke about the source of the virtues, but we are also the source of our vices. So if the self brings his vices all the time, you know, we're going to be suffering. We don't have to do that. Nobody tells us to. Idea number four, being the one-minute Jesus. Like, I'm in a different, difficult situation. I have to make a decision. Oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I'm really, oh, this is hard. What would Jesus do? That will give me the right choice. I can still... Choose to do the wrong thing. That's Poncho Pilot, right? I'm signing off as Pilot. But that's an indication of what is the right direction. What should I do here? Idea number five. We should follow Jesus always. Not Never ask Jesus to follow us. He's not going to follow us. You see? There's no point in going somewhere to do something wrong. Wrong. Knowing. And tell Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me here. It's absurd. 
we follow Jesus. He will not follow us in the sense of, you know, we, we are leading. We don't lead nothing. We lead ourselves. Idea number six. The brain buys what the mind sells. And Joanna develops that beautifully throughout his, uh, her, her entire set of books. What happens in the physical realm starts with the mind, starts up there, and I'm solely responsible for it. No one else. Humility is a primary tool for overcoming afflictions. There's a very interesting thought that I usually discuss with people, which is this. Let's say within one lifetime, let's consider this one lifetime. Things are not going, things started good, I'm, you know, babe, an infant, a youth, and suddenly, you know, as an adult, trouble is coming because it's part of life. So things at times get difficult, get more complicated, and, you know, a lot of us get sick and, and sicker, and we go to the first doctor, to the second doctor, and nothing is found, and we go sick and sick and sick. And then when there's nothing that, when we believe we have tried everything, absolutely everything, and we don't know what else to do, we raise our eyes, we lift our eyes like this, and go, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, God, help me. You see, when we do this, we are using humility as the last resource. If you can find in the gospel any translation to any language, if you can find in the gospel where Jesus says, try everything. If it doesn't work, be humble. You can find that because it's exactly the other way around. Being humble is what scares afflictions away. We usually do the other way around. When nothing works, oh, yeah, let's be humble this one time, but just this one time. No. And here's the last thought, so we can close. And I've listed this way. Minimize afflictions by helping those undergoing affliction. Let, let, let me give you what the idea is. Let's say you have a, one of a, a heart disease, for example, degenerative, degenerative disease. And of course, we, we are champions of suffering. We have, we have graduated in suffering, post-graduated, PhD graduated in suffering, we know all about suffering. That leads in part to illnesses, we know that. So let's say I'm going through this. What happens if I decide to help other people, to help other people who are going through what I'm going? You see, what happens is I'm taking the focus away from my problem and putting into theirs, at least temporarily. So when I'm helping somebody with the same thing that I have, I'm shifting the focus. When I shift the focus, I'm not feeding my problem anymore. I'm not feeding, I'm looking for a solution, I'm looking for help, I'm looking for that other person to be well, which in turn makes me feel better. So learning, uh, uh, not learning, uh, uh, but being, uh, with those who suffer from the same thing that we suffer with the purpose of helping them not being just because oh we're feeling the same thing no 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 with the serious purpose of helping those will make us feel better 
will make us get away from this uh, uh, afflictions and suffering and all of that. So that's it, guys. Uh, why don't you thank you for the opportunity to be here. We'll be here for a little bit for questions and answers, if any. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I've now unmuted myself. Thank you very, very much, Luis. That was a very, very interesting talk. Uh, a lot for us to to consider. And so much of it made sense, but I don't think I would ever have thought of it myself beforehand. It, it, there is so much logic to it, yeah. but, uh, beautifully laid out and, and very easy to comprehend as to why that's important in our lives. I think all of us are susceptible to affliction and and you've given us some very good leads as to how we can prevent that and help others to prevent that too uh, i look forward to uh, presenting some questions to you if if any have uh, have come up uh, one one feature that came to my mind uh, in this great teaching you've given us is the, the context in which we are our own saviors. I recognize, of course, that we, we do have responsibility for our own moral course in this life and for our moral course in, in all our existences. But obviously, Christianity calls Jesus Christ the savior. Um, is there any conflict between the teaching you've shared with us this evening and the role widely accepted as Jesus Christ as being our savior? I think it's a matter of interpretation because for example, I can tell you if something happens and I can tell you, oh, Bob is my savior. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm gonna just do like this and wait for you to do the job for me. You can, you can be my counselor. When you, when you give me advice on how to get out of a certain situation, at that moment, Bob is being my savior in a way. He's not a savior, a hands-on savior per se, if you will. But yeah, you're helping me. You're, you're helping me save myself. But the ultimate work, the hands-on work is still us. It will not come from outside. It will not be, uh, uh, there's no divine decree that's going to say, end of suffering for Riesling. That's it. No such a thing. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Yes. We, we have a responsibility to use the gifts that God has allowed us to have and the gifts that Jesus Christ has pointed to us having in order to save ourselves. I think it's possible that many of us are blind to the skills and the, and the, the tools that God has given us. Um, yeah. And in, in times of affliction, we often don't think straight. I think that is also an issue. And... Um, thinking straight is, is is an important task maybe we should use that time when we're not feeling so afflicted to to, to plan ahead <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I would just uh, uh, add uh, uh, for example we we're talking about the, the the Savior even when Jesus performed tasks that we could say he saved the person, as soon as he performed whatever action, he would tell to the person, he would tell the person, I didn't do it. You did it with your faith or you did it yourself. 
You see, he, he does not take the role of a savior, of a hands-on savior. So even himself, he brings that clearly out on every one of these uh, so-called yes. miracles or something like that. The, the command to go and sin no more once he's healed someone of, 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 of a particular affliction. Yes. Correct, yes. We would uh, welcome your questions, uh, dear folk, if, if you have any. Um, Louise is, is here to answer them. They're very reluctant tonight, this is unusual. <laughs> yes. I spoke too much, I think. No, I don't, oh, it, no, no, it was a very engrossing talk. Very, very well. Yeah, that, that's why I said, very you well know, like at that. a certain point, I said that kind of thing, which all of us, myself included, we should take to our pillows every night and think about it. Yeah. We have got an interesting comment has come in from Pamela Wilson, and she's just saying, oh, my goodness, that is a new perspective on history that I now need to think about. Thank you all very much for a very interesting talk this evening. Okay, Pamela. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, right. again, that take to the pillow, right? It, it, it is, if we look at history with the eyes of, uh, uh, spirit, um, under the light of spiritism, things happen not because two men, three men, four men, two women and one man, nothing because of this, because of the psychic atmosphere of the planet, and we were there to sustain it. Mm. one way or another and i was saying very early on in the uh, pandemic it seems like the psychic network has suddenly become alive because you were hearing the same comments from all different corners of the world totally unrelated mm -hmm. people saying the same thing and the same trains of thought going on it's a very interesting um effect is had on us uh, in many many levels mm -hmm. but this psychic thing has is very noticeable and I, I yeah. don't make things fit I look for a pattern and they're there it's very interesting yeah. so, something to to have in mind always, always always we we make the con conditions possible for something like this to happen. And, and not only that, it, this is part of our personal history. We still do the same thing that they do ourselves alone. You know, so it's always something to have in mind. <clears throat> and we elected to be here at this time, knowing that the conditions that would surround us so we actually had an active, intelligent part in saying, yeah, I want to go through, you know, I want to experience this for my progression or regression. As I always say to people, progression isn't always an uphill thing. We have the choice at all times to do whatever. And it's making what you would call the right decisions will aid in our progression um in a choosing another path may lead somewhere else without going too deep <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i i think the the current covid situation has obviously led to 
great affliction in many people's lives, not only those who have suffered the illness themselves, but those who have had family members dying and people who've just had to be locked away in their own homes and, and, and being starved of the social communication. So how we have coped with that and how we will cope with it, I think is something for reflection. What have we learned? What have we learned? The things we can do without? What have we learned in terms of the things that we feel vitally important? Certainly thinking of, of my own sense of affliction during uh, lockdown, I've changed my priorities. The things that I thought were important have, have been quite substantially demoted and some minor things have been promoted as being very important. I think sure. we have to be alert as to what is good for ourselves and good yeah, for I our program. I think it sends us back to the suffer well thing. Nobody wants to be inside locked, locked down, almost locked down, right? Depending on where you are. But uh, nobody liked it. And uh, we complain. We all complain everywhere, everywhere. So it's the suffer well thing. We have to go through this period. So how can I do this uh, so I don't suffer? And I, I use the situation on my own behalf for goodness, for my own, uh, you know, uh, improvement. And that's a, these are all opportunities that we are given. We just have to suffer well. That sounds a contradiction, but the way you've explained it, 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 it it's very good. Mm. Yeah. Did I see another question there? Uh, no? Sadly not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a comment there from Susan Brown. Very interesting talk that seems to point us toward the need for a, a change of perspective. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's what we just said, Bob. Change of perspective. The virus has to do with that because it force it kind of forces us or it forced us into looking to other options, doing things mm -hmm. differently, value things that should be valued. You see that we go back to those moral values that we use in our society today, which are not really moral values. So all of that has to be put into perspective now. Very true. Yeah. There is I, a question. More... <laughs> oh, gosh. We've got a question. Hurrah! <laughs> the lovely Jamie Williamson. Louis, how do you think that, how do you think the things talk about relate to Jung's concept of the collective unconsciousness? Yeah, the collective unconscious is still a psychic atmosphere, right? It's still part of our, uh, the psychosphere, as we say. Uh, not, and it's unconscious because, you see, the, the psychosphere of the planet includes discarnates as well. So they are sustaining whatever we are all sustaining so and uh, what they think what they th uh, their thoughts and their uh, their what they are sustaining is part of a collective unconscious for us because we uh, you know it's impacting our lives it ha it, it, it brings uh, uh, things into our lives in a very subtle way that we might perceive or not mediums perceive a lot more but you know every everything is integrated so uh, whatever, uh, everything is collected, everything is collected. 
And, uh, we know that from all the explanations, not only in spiritism, but even quantum physics has discovered that everything is collected, right? is connected. So everything became collective as we learned how things work. We didn't think they were, but they were. We just learned that they are now. Very true. I think that's the well, end of the questions there, Bob. I think so. Thank you. Thank you very much, Laurie. Thank you once again, Luis, for a very interesting talk. Um, I, I thought that your, 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 your PowerPoint slides were very, very illuminating, and I look forward to rehearsing those again uh, for my own better education. Thank you very much indeed. Laurie, could I ask you to end our proceedings with a closing prayer? Certainly. So once more, dear friends, as we join together, touching on that thread of the divine which resides within all things, we send out thanks and gratitude for this night, for these thoughts to stir our own thinking process, to help us and enable us in our decision-making process going forward, but to bring together that one truth, that although we are all separated by great distances on this earth, we all reside under the but the one same sky, and we are all related. We are all intertwined. We are all, each and every one of us, a part of that greater whole, no lesser, no greater than one other stood beside us. And as we leave this night, again we send that deepest gratitude for this time where we can reach out across the world from the comfort of our homes and enrich our knowledge and our understandings, our beliefs, our philosophies. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Lawrence. And thank you once again, Luis. Thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. And I wish you every blessing. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you all. Luis, say thank you. And good night, sir. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for inviting me. See you next time. God bless you. Bye. Bless you.